Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our midweek service with our very own evangelist, John Tahaji, and a message about encountering Jesus. Enjoy this message. Man, God is good. I said God is good. Amen. Uh, you may be seated. Yeah, if you could rock with me for a little bit, please. Um, before I go any further, I have to do this, and I want to do this. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. Oh, man. I have a word for my wife. I wonder why the enemy attacks us so much and why things seem so hard a lot. But when I see you ministering and worshiping, I understand, and the Lord showed me why. Because if he could affect me to affect you, it would affect the rest of the people that you're leading. And there are no more times that I aspire to be a better man than when I watch you worship. So I love you. (laughs) And now I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to share with some of you women, a lot of you wives here, Don't let any circumstance or any man put you down. Worship the Lord through it. And you'll have victory. Man, praise God. All right, now to Mean John. God is good. Thank you, Lord. As the world is loud about this, I refuse to remain silent. This is not a part of my message, but I have to address it. This month, this world is going to be led by our nation to celebrate Pride Month. It's a month where a community will celebrate the bravery and the courage to be themselves. In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So I speak this to my neighbor, those here, those that are watching, my countrymen, those around the world. I say, that, I say this with all the humility and love in my heart. Just because I don't share the same values as you do does not mean that I don't love you. Because I don't agree with your lifestyle and I may not celebrate with you this month or ever does not mean that I do not love you. There is a difference between not affirming sexual ethics and not relating to persons because God does not condone sin, but he relates to the sinner. So you are loved the same way that I am loved by my God. You are worthy of the same relationship that I am given. And you need a savior the same way that I need a savior. So I call you to repentance today. And I share this with the church in America. I share this with any believer in this place. Anybody that may be watching. If you are affirming to the LGBTQ community. If there is any progressive church in America that says it is okay to be gay. You are doing a community You are doing the community and a group of people that Christ died for a disservice. Why rain on their parade? Why today? Why not just let them celebrate? I've heard this already. Why not just let them be? One, because I love the truth and two, because I care for their souls. I do not care to be on the right side of history as much as I want to be on the right side of eternity. 
So you are loved. They are loved, church. I'm done. That's it. Now we're going to get into my message that has absolutely nothing to do with that. Anything that I do going forward has nothing or no intention directly geared to, the, to, to that at all. But if the shoe fits, wear it. God is good. Before I go any further, this is something worth celebrating. It is something worth acknowledging. Our pastors this weekend had just got back from Texas this past weekend to, to, to be a part of the very first REACH conference in Texas. That is powerful. We honor and love our pastors, not just for the work they do in this community, but man, across our nation, dude. It's, it's truly, truly just such a pleasure to be a part of this church under their leadership. Um, so I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you, God, for today. And I pray, God, that the words that go forth, anything else that is said, Lord, that it will land on good soil. Lord, I pray, God, you would protect us from ourselves. We let down all pride, all stubbornness, all selfishness, God. We put it down at your feet that where the seed, God, may be planted, that the enemy will not come and rob it. But we pray, Lord, that you would water the seed, deliver it, God, from my mouth into the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you. Uh, in John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. This is important. Check this out. It's, Jesus says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. There is not one perfect person in this place. I look at every seat that is full. I look at every single person that has come to this place. Not one of us has it all together. Every single person has issues. So no matter what you do to mask those issues, they're still there. There is no more meaningful, there is no more meaningful life change there is nothing that you can do. No more meaningful life change except through Christ Jesus. Jesus offers every single person here, every person that has breath, he offers them the most significant pathway to life change. More than any other person, more than any, uh, any other group, any other event or circumstance, it is only through Jesus. There is no more meaningful life change apart from Christ Jesus. No business that you have, no degree that you may acquire. Congrats to all of our graduates. There is no status, there is no church size, there is no idea, no belief. There is, no, there is nothing more meaningful if it is apart from Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter what your zodiac sign is. It doesn't matter what your Enneagram number is. That what, what, in reality, that's just a Zodiac sign covered up in a wolf's of sheep clothing. But you're not ready to hear that. It doesn't matter what crystals that people carry around in their pockets, in their purses. It doesn't matter what your bank account looks like. There is no other religion. There is no other deity. There is no other belief system that is meaningful, that is acceptable in the sight of a holy God, except apart from his son, Jesus Christ. And there was no dealing with your inner issues. There was no dealing with the inner issues in your heart apart from Jesus. So get the counseling. Read the books. Go to all of the retreats. But there are some things in the most inner part of your soul that no author can do, that no counselor can give. They cannot impart to you righteousness. They can't give you the conviction of the Holy Spirit because there are issues there are issues that cannot be ministered to apart from Jesus 
I believe in mental health. I believe in self-help to a certain degree, but that will only get us so far. So hear this. Some of us in this room have been hurt by people. And it may be justified. But can I tell you, you don't need closure from a certain person. What you need is healing. You don't need another explanation. What you need is understanding. You don't need more clarity. What you need is more faith. Some of you need to hear this. You don't need more money. What you need is more discipline. You don't need another boo. What you need is some peace in yourself. You don't need everyone to like you. What you need is some confidence in your identity that Christ has given you. You don't need title. You don't need influence. What you need is anointing and discernment. So contrary to popular belief, apart from Jesus, everything is worthless. What good is it that a man will gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? So today we're going to read from a scripture. This is one of... The most longest accounts that Jesus, this is one of the longest conversations that had been written that Jesus had. And it's in John chapter 4. We're going to read through verse 1 through 7. We're actually going to read the whole chapter. We're going to fly through it. We're going to stop uh, and pick out a couple things. This word that I have today is very practical, but it's personal. So don't look to your neighbor, to your left, to your right. Don't think about anyone else where you receive the word for yourself. John chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, it was his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. That's important. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? It's important to understand some things before we go any further. Jesus had to go through Samaria because um, if you, he went from Judea back to Galilee. Judea's here, Galilee's here. He had to go through Samaria to save some time. If you understand this, at the time the Assyrians had conquered Samaria. And what they did was the Assyrians had children with Jews, which they weren't purebred Jews. So actual Jews... Hated them. So there was racism long before CNN told us there was racism. The Jews were racist towards the, towards the Sumerians. So what the Jews would do culturally was they would much rather completely go all the way around Samaria than go through it. They would double their, their travel just because they didn't want to go through Samaria. Now some of you guys do this at the family gatherings. You hit up your cousin, your primo, hey, open this, open the side gate. I don't want to see you so, right? So you go straight to the back. I'm going to take it a step further and say this is why some of you guys are late to church. There are certain people you don't want to see. You haven't been to our beautiful cafe. You haven't bought some of our good coffee because there's some people you just don't want to see. All right, I'm going to continue real quick. So he had, it says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Not that he wanted to, that he had to. Because in his sense, we're going to go on and we're going to read further. But in his sense, this was Jesus' way to leave the figurative 99 for the literal one. We're going to get to that. The need to go through Samaria was not merely a geographical consideration, but it was a divine compulsion. He, he needed to. When I begin to think of the extent that Christ went out of his way for you and I, the cross alone. 
some of the conversations that I have been in, some of the relationships that I have, that sermon that I came and I listened to and it felt like the speaker was speaking directly to me, the conferences, the divine interventions needed for me to be where I am now. And I'm thankful for God's faithfulness for that. It says that the woman came to draw water at 12 noon. If you understand, Israel is like a desert. It's hot. You don't go to draw water at 12 noon. You go in the beginning of the day or you go at the end of the day. Nobody goes at noon. But this is what this woman did. This implies so many things when you read so much more. But we're going to pick out a couple of things. This woman came to draw water at noon. Nobody else was around. It was her and Jesus. This woman, the Samaritan woman with no name, she planned her whole day to avoid her most pressing pains, to avoid people, to avoid community. She planned to be alone. And this is some of us here. What we do and what she was doing, I believe, is that she was battling the fear of being fully known by her community. No one in my town needs to know who I am. No one will see me, therefore I don't need to deal with anyone. I believe that people that hide something, whether it's physical or whether it's inside of you, people that hide something have a sense of shame, rejection, or fear. God forbid people know who I am. And what do we, we, we do? Whatever we can to avoid certain people, certain issues. And this is something that we're good at. We like to show people what we want them to see. That's easy to do. And before we cast judgment on this lady, maybe she's just like us. Maybe some of you are sitting here now and you've said this before. I don't know how many people I've ministered to, how many, how many people I've said uh, a religious innuendo to or a subliminal message to them, and they said this, and maybe you've said this before, I am too broken for God. Maybe somebody in your family is just popping up in your head right now that said that to you. I am beyond repair. God... I'll, I'll burn if I walk through your church doors. And what we do, and what this lady is doing, by avoiding people, she plans her whole life to be safe but not whole. We live with, we live with a defensive mindset. We set up guards not to let anyone in because we'd rather be safe than, and, and not whole. But Jesus isn't trying to help the fake you. Jesus doesn't want to conversate with the fake you. He doesn't have a band-aid ministry. He doesn't have a patch and repair service. He doesn't suppress. But what he does is he heals broken hearts. He mends them to make them completely whole. So we're going to see what he does with this woman. We're going to continue to read in, in John chapter 4 verse 9. It says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank for himself and did his sons and livestock also? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become and them a spring of water welling up. To eternal life. Jesus is now showing this woman something. You draw from this well every single day. But you're still in need. You still want. You still set up parameters to avoid other people. There's something missing. And now he's, show, he's showing with this woman. These physical needs that you have. 
Like you're meeting them every day while you neglect what you need the most. And this tells me something. In conversation with Jesus, and we're going to get to what he's trying to say, is that this woman, the Samaritan woman is blind to what she really needs. Oblivious to what she really needs. That's some of us today. We're completely oblivious to what God wants to do. The healing that we need, the touch of God that we need, the confrontation that we need, the accountability that we need. How much longer are we going to deal with certain things that only Jesus can heal? How long are we going to make excuses? How long will we excuse unhealthy behavior except it is normal to accommodate things that are never meant to be? And I love this because this is where breakthrough happens. The beginning of their conversation, breakthrough is already happening. Check this out. Verse 15, it says this. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Understanding that the physical water isn't good enough. That nothing satisfies. I pray right now that it's starting to make sense. That inside of your spirit, things are starting to make sense to you. The relationships that you have, the accolades that you have, all the money, all the popularity, all the mountains that we climb up. And when we look down and we see that we're still empty. One of the wisest men to ever live, the son of King David, Solomon. One of the wisest men ever, right? One of the richest men to ever live. He writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2, he opens up. I didn't give it to them. He says, everything is all vanity. It's pointless, worthless. Can you imagine? The most wisest man, the richest man, sharing with the people in Ecclesiastes, giving us this word. Everything is vanity. It's worthless, pointless. Why? And a lot of us sit here and say, well, if I only got married, things will get better. If I only got more attention from my leader, things will get better. If I only had certain things, I had a better job, I had a better wife, a better husband, if my children weren't so bad, things will get better. But can I tell you something? You could, you could get into the house. You can buy the new car. You can get all the new technology, but the novelty will eventually wear off. I grew up. Uh, uh, in March of 2021, which was last year, me and my wife, which myself, I moved into my very first house that I've ever lived in. That's a blessing. Like, it, it really is. And I remember for the first week, I would lay there every single day. I'm moving my stuff in. I'm looking at the beautiful house. I'm laying down every single day for almost two weeks. I felt guilty. I don't deserve this. I didn't grow up like this. This isn't for me. I'm going to lose it. Somehow, some way. The novelty. And, and now that I have it, Man, I, I swore, I'm going to, man, I'm going to sweep the parking lot every day. I'm going to sweep my driveway. Man, those weeds are taller than my palm trees. The novelty wears off. The relationship that you're in, man, I'm so excited to be married. A couple months in, the novelty begins to wear off. She's starting to look a little different without the makeup. He's not as sweet as you thought he was. Now you know what it's like when he's hungry and you got to cook. Why people are still thirsty because of material possession, all of the things, it still leaves us empty. And we're still searching for certain things because we're still empty. How many people here have a Kate Spade bag? Nobody that, nobody's bougie like that? Ghetto? 
Clarissa, sorry. <laughs> so, I didn't mean it like that, but Kate, listen, listen, listen. This isn't a joke. Kate Spade hung herself. Any Patriots fans here have an Aaron Hernandez jersey? Hung himself in a prison cell. People reached the highest point, empty inside. This is gonna hurt, this is gonna hurt some people. You get on social media and you're posting some things. You desire to be an influencer or you, you, you gain validation from people's likes and their comments and, and their shares. But you're still empty inside. You can't post and walk away. You'll post and sit there and you'll just, oh, oh yeah, look at all the likes I'm getting. Yeah, this is good. I like this. And, you'll de- and, and what you'll do is you'll delete it if it doesn't get the attention that you like. My goodness. She says this. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she says, give me this living water. And not acknowledging and now realizing that she's not whole. She acknowledged that she has a need. And she comes to a point, watch this, this is important. And I, and I pray that it just smacks you in your spirit. She has now come to the point of self-awareness. The first step of transformation is self-awareness. You cannot be helped. We can't help anyone who has no idea that they need help. I cannot grow if I think that I'm done growing. One of the worst people to help are those who are self-righteous and think that they are perfect. But self-awareness is so powerful. I love this. King David says this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense in me and lead me to everlasting life. When my heart fails me, I need the Holy Spirit to reveal certain things that I miss. Self-awareness is powerful. The greatest gift that you can give yourself is self-awareness. The greatest gift that you could give your spouse and your children is self-awareness. John chapter 4 verse 16, we're going to continue reading. Jesus says, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. After Jesus confronts the woman. A divine encounter. He had to go through Samaria. He meets this woman where there's no woman should have been there. Drawing from the well. And and now he's talking to her. And now he's pointing something out. He confronts the woman. He exposes her sin. Before he goes any further. Now he has to deal with the idolatry in her heart. There was a real issue. It was the truth that led her to repentance. It wasn't a sinner's prayer. You wonder why so many people come up to this altar and we thank God for that and that's why we still do it. They come, they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and they're nowhere to be seen after. Because the sinner's prayer is in culture, it's not in scripture. That doesn't mean we're going to take it away. There needs to be self-awareness after that. There needs to be some work that you allow the Holy Spirit to do inside of your heart so you may become rejuvenated, regenerated, and you may be sanctified by His blood. So many people turning back. 
because they're unable to handle the living water that Christ gives. I want this living water, but your cup is nasty. Why would I give you this living water with the nasty cup? Why would I put money in my pocket when I know that there's a hole at the bottom? I have a hole, I have a pool that has a hole in it for my dogs. Why would I fill it up? That would be foolish. We have to come to a point of self-awareness and understand that there needs to be work inside of our hearts before we ask God for all the things in the world. Jesus is saying, now you have to repent. Repent first. I think of the rich young ruler who had the same opportunity that this lady had. What must I do to follow you? Jesus says, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he turned away saddened because he had much. Jesus was dealing with the idolatry in this man's heart, but he refused to follow Jesus because he loved it more. You want to serve God? You're going to have to give up your love for money. You want a better marriage? You're going to have to start working less hours and put work into your marriage instead of thinking that having a weekend marriage is going to do it. The drugs, the alcohol, the women, the men, you got to give it up. The dreams that don't align with God's plan for your life, you got to give it up. In John chapter 4, verse 19, we're going to continue reading. It says, sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. We're going to skip to verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. This is one of the first times that Jesus revealed who he was. He did it to the disciples and he told them, keep quiet, don't tell anybody else. And he, and he shared with this woman. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? This is what I love. Is this woman went from pain to purpose. An adulterer to an evangelist. Oh, some people ain't gonna like that. This woman went to go preach the gospel. Come hear about a man. Skip to verse 31. It says, meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Jesus was encouraging the disciples to look around that there are people all around us ripe for the harvest. And Jesus proved it with a simple conversation with the woman at the well. Look past your prejudices. This is something I believe that Christians need to hear that we need to do better at. We need to look past our classism. We're not better than anybody else. And I believe that there's a lot of people that are intimidated to preach the gospel to people they think they're above, that are above them. 
they're empty inside. And I know believers that wouldn't bother preaching the gospel to the person at Walmart, standing at the corner asking for money. They're broken and they're empty inside. And we need to break that barrier to get past our classism. All this woman thought she needed was some natural water. But she, when she was presenting with the living water, she took it and went to tell others. I, man, sometimes I wonder what the church in America is doing. I look at the landscape of what is happening and I wonder, what is the church doing? Take account with all the conferences, all of your favorite podcasts, what does it matter a hundred years from now when it's got nothing to do with Christ? The rooms are full, but the pulpit is empty of truth. You're great at ministry. You're great at mingling. You're a great leader and know how to build people up, but you're empty inside. Man, I wish there was like this angel, like this physical angel that would just come and just snatch some people off the pulpit. Have no business being up there speaking some of the things that they speak. Doing a disservice to people that are dying for the truth. I look across this room. How many relationships that we have? How many organic friendships? How many organic conversations that come up that we refuse to share the gospel with them? Doing a disservice to a people that need Christ the most. While we neglect what God calls us to do the most. We are called to live with a purpose. In verse 39, it says this. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town now believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I did. This woman was now not afraid to tell people the adultery that she was living in. He told me everything I did. What you used to do before Christ, maybe it was shameful. But when you cover it with the blood of Jesus, it is now your weapon. It used to be shameful. You used to be disgraced by it. But if you just allow the Lord to use that as a weapon to share with others, my goodness, how many people will come to know the Lord? Verse 41. And because of his words, many, many more became believers. They said to the woman, I love this. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Your testimony is a tool, but it only could do so much. Preach the gospel. Share with them. Wipe your hands. Their blood is no longer on your hands. Let them work it out with the Lord. We, we no longer believe because of your testimony, but we have seen the goodness of God for ourselves. Acts chapter 8, if you, if you study and read the word. Acts chapter 8, this is now a couple years later, about four or five years later. It says that Philip had led a revival a little later, a couple years later, had led a revival in the same city of the woman at the well. 
this city now experienced revival because of the toil of the woman. She planted seeds. You understand how powerful your testimony is? Do you now see how obedience to God, how important it is? Do you care four years down the line? Do you care about your family? Do you care about what your children will walk into? Can I tell you, be obedient to God now. Don't be ashamed to share your testimony. Toil the ground. Do the work now so others may experience the revival. This church did not experience what we're experiencing now four years ago. God was still moving, but it's a little different. By a raise of hands, how many people have stepped in this building just within the last four years? Hands all across this place because of the work and the faithfulness of the servants of God of this house. Now those that have come into this place within the four years, can I encourage you that there is still work to be done? That your testimony matters. That God can use you. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, it is the last, it, it's the last scripture that Mark writes. And, and Mark is known to have written the first gospel. It's not, it's not where Matthew is, but it was one of the first gospels written. And he's quoting Jesus before he ends his chapter and he says this. He said, whoever believes, whoever believes. The hardcore, the hardcore Reformed brothers aren't going to like that. But it says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. There is no, no safe pathway out of this life. There is no safe pathway into eternity apart from Jesus. Despite what your favorite celebrity says, despite what your favorite athlete says, despite what Oprah Winfrey says, Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Apart from him, there is nothing, there is no way to God. It is only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no pathway, there is no other way, there is no detour, there is no shortcuts. It is only through Jesus that we may get into eternity with God. So more than anything, more than anything in this world, more than the raise that you need, and I hate to say it, even more than the breakthrough that you need in your marriage, even more than the acknowledgement and the validation of other people, what we need more than these things is a sincere, a genuine, a true zeal of a relationship with God. Apart from it, there is nothing. Nothing else matters. Nothing else will do. It is only through a relationship with Jesus Christ that will bind, that will bind us to a loving God. And I find this, and I love it, that when I walk in, with, when I walk in unity with Jesus, God now makes me his priority and I have become an obligation to him. That everything that falls under the work of the Lord, it is given and taken away by God. And there was one thing that I learned in this life. One thing this past season of my life that if, 
uh, that honor has taught me that when you trust somebody wholeheartedly, you don't say no. I learned that with my pastoralship, and now God, God has been teaching me in my relationship with him. You trust me more? Then why say no? Have I failed you? Then why say no? Did I say go? Then why say no? Did I tell you to speak the truth? Then why say no? Why argue? Why fight it? Do it the first time and watch the blessings unfold. I don't do it for the blessings for myself. I do it for the blessings of others that God may get the glory through my life. So when I look back four years from now, when I look back four years from now with whatever ministry that I have been entrusted with, I want to see fruit. I don't want to see a bigger car. I don't want to see a bigger house. I don't want to see more material possessions. I want to see fruit of the labor that I have put in, that God gets the glory, that there may be others, that when Jesus meets them at the well, that they may be changed, transformed, and they may go forth into the world to preach his gospel, whether they are men or whether they are women. I believe that God is speaking to some people in this place today. Just to care a little bit about the lost souls. Jesus is telling his disciples. He's saying, you're missing it. You're missing all this. Thank you for asking me for food, but I don't need that. But what you need is to understand something. That the field is ripe. Did you care a little about the conversation I had with this woman? I appreciate the honor. Thank you for asking me if I want some food. You're smart enough to understand that there's water right here. I get it. But are you missing the idea that there is people out there that God is ministering to that we completely neglect? No care. No wonder. I want to build up this house because before there is quantity, there needs to be quality. What reason is it that people walk into this church and they're neglected? That's why I love that I can ride and I can get back and I can support every single connect group in this church. That God is doing a work. So I encourage you, if you're not a part of a connect group, get into one. Allow somebody in your life to tell you that there's something wrong. Maybe, maybe you haven't had five husbands. Maybe you're not living in adultery. But there are some things deep inside of us that we neglect, that we forget, that we don't allow God to touch, that we don't allow God to heal. Because we don't even know that they're there. So today we're going to pray for God to reveal to us self-awareness. To completely allow him into our lives. Because we go and we do the tradition. And we do uh, all, all, the, all the habits. But we're neglecting what we need the most. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, you're worthy. And you deserve all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. And it is you alone, God, and your word that are sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray, God, right now as you are cutting the hearts of your people, you are bringing conviction upon their lives. I pray right now, Lord, that there would be a great self-awareness. The conviction of the Holy Spirit would begin to speak. The conviction of the Holy Spirit will begin to move. I pray right now, God, that things that have been burdening people, things and scars that people have been pushing away, that there would be healing tonight in the name of Jesus. Rebuke all the lies of the enemy. Any whisper that is coming and telling these people 
that they're okay. But it is only by your work, Lord. And we pray, God, that your work, Father, would go forth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah. You're in this place. And you say, I'm done. I'm empty. I've done it all. I've been running. I've been hiding. And there was something inside of you that says, I want this living water. If you are willing to allow Jesus to clean your cup, to make you completely new, change everything about your life today, that you would present yourself as a living sacrifice. You say, I'm empty. I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior tonight. I want to pray with you. If that's you, would you courageously and boldly raise your hand? You say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anybody in this place, if that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Anybody at all. The Lord is waiting for you. He loves you. You say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior tonight. Anybody at all. I see one hand. Praise God. Is that another hand? The Lord is waiting for you. Lord is waiting. This is the moment. This is your breakthrough. Your moment with Jesus right here. No more hiding. No more running. You run into the arms of a Savior that has been waiting for you. That went out of his way for you tonight. If that's you, will you raise your hand? If you already raise your hand, you, you can leave it down. If that's you, raise your hand. We're going to take a moment. Here we go. God is good. Okay. If you backslid in your heart and you say, I want to recommit my life to God. I've been running. I've been doing it the right way. I know that I know that I know that I'm not pleasing God, that I'm running from Him. I want to recommit my life if that's you. Tonight's a night. Anybody at all? I see that hand. I see that hand. God bless you. God is good. God is good. He's waiting for you. So church, this is what we're going to do. If you raise your hand for either call, Will you please join me at this service? We want to pray for you. Church, can we rise and stand to our feet? Can we welcome them? Can we thank God for their life? If that was you, come on. This is, this is, a, jo this is, this is a joyous account right here. This is, this is so good. God is good. Church, will you join me? My goodness. God is good. A time of celebration. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. God is good. Anybody at all? You're saying that is you. Come on, join me at this altar. You raise your hand. You did it already. You're real with yourself. Don't cut yourself short. Take the walk. Take the journey. God is waiting for you. Man, praise God. We're going to pray with Eric. Eric grew up in this church. Eric grew up in this church, man. I'm so, this, is, this is personal for me. So we're going to pray with Eric, all right? Eric, you've done this before. This is the last time? I believe it, bro. It, even if it's not, you have this whole church behind you. We love you. We care for you, bro. Your family loves you. They've been praying for you. God pointed you out today, and you're letting them clean the cup. Gone. Church, we're going to pray for him. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I surrender it all today. Have your way in my life. I give it to you. Heal me. Cleanse me. Give me a new cup. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God is good. He's going to pray with you, all right? Man, praise God. God is good. We may have some self-assessing to do. 
There may be some things that we got to look at, but could I tell you the thing that I lean on the most is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And tonight I believe that he was speaking to some of you today. If you would join me at this altar, can we lay it at the feet of Jesus? Can we say, Lord, have your way? There's some things that I've been dealing with. Lord, I'm tired of this nasty cup. I give it to you. Will you give me a new one? I want living water. I'm empty, and there's only, there's only one God that I know can fulfill me. Will you join me at this altar? Let's pray. Let's press in. Let's lay it at the feet of Jesus tonight. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.